Mary went to the, the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, that is our, our cry this morning, our prayer this morning, that we might see you, that we might believe you, believe what Christ did on the cross for us, believe in the resurrection, believe that because he rose, we too would rise. Oh Lord, as a good shepherd, we ask that you would call us this morning. Call us in our pain, call us in our sin, call us in our doubt. And lead us to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> there is nothing better than having your name called. Whether that is to be called on a team, called at award ceremony, called for the first time by your beloved. Your name is your identity. To have someone call you by name means they want your attention. It means you're being chosen, honored, loved. Now, of course, there are times when you don't want your name called. Court is one of them. We can go down that list. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about when your name's called out of love, out of affection. I'm talking about being called in such a way that suddenly you have a new future, a better future because of it. Think about the Oscars, when the actors win. They're so excited they forget their lines, they, they kiss people in the crowds, they cry in front of millions of people. Why? Because everything's different. Everything is better now. They're gonna get a bigger contract. By having their names called, they have a new future, a better future, new roles and the like. Well, that's what Jesus means when he says, way back in John 10, the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You see, Jesus calls them, he names them, he knows them, but he calls them in order to lead them out, lead them out into a wonderful, a better future. Now jump to John 20. In our reading from John 20, we find Mary in a bad place. Mary was at the tomb while it was still dark, weeping tears over the fact that Jesus' body is gone. The darkness signifies despair and unbelief. The tears signify pain, deep pain. All Mary wants is to get the body back. That's why she says to the gardener, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him so that I can get him back. I can take him. In other words, please give me Jesus back. I lost him in life. I don't want to lose him in his death. Please give him back to me. I can't help when I hear that plea and this emotional plea from someone who's just torn up in a bad place. I can't help but be reminded of Nicholas Wolterstorff, who wrote the book Lament for a Son. I've, talk, I've spoken about him a lot of times. I've quoted different passages. Here's a new one, new passage for you. But in his book, he tells about how he did not realize how much he loved his son until he was gone. Wolterstorff writes these words. We took him too much for granted. 
Perhaps we all take each other for granted. The routines of life distract us. Our own pursuits make us oblivious. Oh, ob oblivious. Our anxieties and sorrows unmindful. The beauties of the familiar go unremarked. We do not treasure each other enough. He was a gift to us. When the gift was finally snatched away, I realized how great it was. But then I could no longer tell him. An outpouring of letters arrived, many expressing appreciation for Eric. They all made me weep again. Each word of praise, a stab of loss. How can I be thankful? In his goneness for what he was, I find that I am, but the pain of the no more outweighs the gratitude for the once was. Will it always be so? I didn't know how much I loved him until he was gone. Is love like that? I imagine Mary and the disciples didn't know how much they loved Jesus until he was gone. They'd walked with him, they loved him, but then when he was gone, when he was, when he was dead, completely broken, completely torn apart, the only solace they had, the only comfort they could have is at least to visit Jesus in the tomb. Maybe then at least they can hold on to a, a past memory, be thankful for what he was. <clears throat> and so that plea again, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him so that I can get him back. If she could just touch Jesus one more time, see him one more time, visit the tomb one more time, then Mary thinks that everything would be okay. The question we have to ask as we look over this passage is why doesn't she recognize Jesus? Jesus is standing right in front of her. He's speaking to her. She sees him and, and thinks that he's the gardener. How can this be? Some have suggested that it's because Jesus' body is still badly bruised from the crucifixion and thus unrecognizable. Others suggest that God sort of covered her eyes in order to open them again. Others still say it was darkness, and so she couldn't really see him. But I think there might be another reason, probably many other reasons, but one that I think is at least worth pondering. Mary's in a bad place. When Jesus died, her future died. She has no longer a future with him. She only has the past. That's why she wants the body, so she can visit the body, visit the tomb, because that's where he belongs in the past. And because she has no future with him, because Jesus doesn't belong in the present or the future with him, he's dead, that when he actually shows up, she can't see him because he doesn't belong there. It must be the gardener. It can't be Jesus. He's gone. He's in the past. I think that's what often happens to us when we grieve. We often grieve not only over the loss of, of a person, or we grieve over the loss of a job, a loss of a marriage, whatever we're grieving over. We're grieving over the loss of that person, yes, but also we're grieving over the fact that we lose a future. Right? When someone dies, you lose all those plans you have in your head with that person. 
All those, those vacations. All those growing older. In a marriage, all your plans in that marriage that extend so far off when that dissolves, suddenly you don't have that future. Or a job. When you lose that job, you, you, you had plans of retirement. You had plans of doing these things. When that's gone, suddenly those plans are gone. Suddenly you don't know what your future will be. And that's a bad place to be because it's so uncertain. Now, life is always uncertain, but at least when you're with that person, you have these plans in your mind. But when there's loss, those plans are gone. I can't help but remember a, a newlywed who came to my office and she was depressed about, uh, she was depressed, not about being married, but <laughs> I think some, you know, <laughs> there might be some days that way. I think Jamie was going, what in the world did I get into when we came but the reason that she is depressed, as I was talking, was she put all her energy, all her focus for months and months and months and months upon a wedding day and a honeymoon. She gets back. And now what? She hadn't thought about what life would be. She hadn't thought about gifts and thank you cards. She hadn't thought about any of those things. What she had focused on was this one event. She's passed it. She has no future, no plans. And until she got those plans, until she had something to hope for, something to work on, she's in tremendous pain and depression. Mary had plans with Jesus. But when Jesus died, those plans were gone. She cannot see him, no, she can no longer see him because he doesn't belong in the present or the future. He's dead. Sir, just give me the body that I can take him. I can visit him. Now, the great irony in this passage is, is that Mary is seeking the dead Jesus while the living Jesus is seeking her. In love, Jesus does not let Mary remain in the darkness weeping tears. Instead, Jesus, the good shepherd, calls out her name, Mary, to which she replies, Rabboni, which means teacher. Immediately, with those words of the good shepherd, the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name and leads them out, when she hears him speak his na her name, Mary, suddenly she believes, suddenly she realizes, her eyes are open, and she sees Jesus in front of her. Now, this isn't the first time the good shepherd has called his sheep. The first time occurred in another garden, the Garden of Eden. Instead of morning, it was evening. Adam and Eve had, had sinned by eating the fruit. And what did they do? They covered themselves and they hid from God. And so the good shepherd has to come into the garden and call them. In fact, it says... I got rid of that verse. Here it is. The good shepherd comes to them in the garden and says, Adam, 
Where are you? Now, does God know where they're at? Of course. But God is speaking to them, calling them, calling them out of hiding. They would have hid forever. But by saying their name, Adam, Eve, where are you? In other words, come on out of hiding. Come back to me. The good shepherd was leading them out of hiding. Later in our chapter, John 20, we see another disciple who's in a bad place, Thomas. Everyone's seen Jesus. They all say he's resurrected. And here you have Thomas going, well, why hasn't he shown up to me? What is this? I can't believe it. Unless I touch his side, touch his hands, then I'll believe. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd comes there, shows up, and says to him, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. With these words, and I, I'm always wondering, did Thomas actually at that point have to touch it? I don't think so. Because the good shepherd spoke, called him. Let him out of doubt into belief. When Jesus, the good shepherd, called Mary by name, he was calling her out of darkness into light. However, Mary is only halfway there. Remember, when the shepherd calls, he not only calls, he what? Says he leads out. Mary saw Jesus, but she didn't quite, she wasn't brought far enough. She wants to cling to him, hold on to him. Jesus, make everything as it was. You're the teacher, we're the students. But to that, Jesus says, do not hold on to me. For I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. In other words, Mary, things have changed. It's no longer like it was in the past. I have a new future for you. I am no longer just your teacher instructing you about God. That's part of the past. I am making everything new. God is now your father, and I am now your brother. The relationship is different. It's better. You have a future now. And so go tell the disciples. Tell them that things have changed. Go and send out missionaries telling the world that the relationship is different. Speak these words. Shout them from the mountaintops. Tell them that, that they are now sons and daughters of God. Tell them that they are now brothers and sisters of Jesus. Tell them that they have a good shepherd. Tell them that they are no longer have to be afraid of God. Tell them that the things they worry about, they belong in the past. Tell them to look to the wonderful future that I have in store for them. A future of no more pain, no more sorrow, no more taxes. <laughs> no more doubt. No more death. A future with God. That is where Jesus is leading us. He not only calls us by name, he's leading us into a bright future. 
as that hymn reminds us, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. O Reformation, do you hear the good shepherd calling you today? He is. In the waters of holy baptism, God first called you his little lamb. Soon in the Lord's Supper, he calls you again. He calls you to come unto him, all who are weak and weary, and he will give you rest. Now some of you might object because you have too much grief in your life, too much sin in your life, too much doubt in your life. Well, that didn't stop the good shepherd from calling Mary, Adam and Eve, Thomas. He says, even with your grief, even with your sin, even with your doubt, come, come to the table, come out of hiding, touch my side, cling to this bread as I lead you out of the past into a glorious future. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That was my amen out there. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen.